Hi, I'm Mike Hatton, and for over 20 years, I've been in a management role that saw me working with other managers from entry level up to and including the C-suite. The experience gained have positioned me to help many other leaders manage the stresses of not having enough time at work, not having enough family time, neglecting their health, and many other challenges magnified by the recent pandemic. I founded Human Cornerstone Facilitations, LLC in 2008. It was based on the need to help managers improve their productivity and that of their team. I would like to show you the roadmap to becoming a great leader by harnessing your team's strengths. Welcome to my show, Cornerstone, where the foundations of leadership begin. Hi, my name is Mike Atten, and my show is called Cornerstone. I'd like to thank you for watching today and welcome you to the show. It's a show about leadership, people who've shown uh, incredible business acumen, and today is no different. When I spoke to the guest about what we were going to talk about today, um, I was a little surprised. Usually people go right into their business and what they do and all that, but his face lit up and he told me that uh, immediately he'd been married 34 years, he had three wonderful children two son-in-laws and three grandchildren. So that tells me this is gonna be a really good interview that you'll enjoy. He's the managing partner of a company called Quartermaster Tax, and he has an interesting perspective on the tax code and a service that I think will help everyone. Please welcome to the show, Don Rasmussen. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike, I appreciate it. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, the question comes up, what do you do? And the reality is what I found out over the 35 years I've been working in uh, owning three CPA firms and working with business professionals from all over. And that is, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And we did some research and found about 78% of business owners feel like they're overpaying on taxes. And what we realized is that there is a desperate need for guidance on how to reduce those taxes. And that's really what we do is we come alongside them and their CPA. Uh, one thing about quartermaster tax management, I've sold my last CPA firm five years ago, but we decided that we wanted to come alongside and be uh, the, the team member, uh, along with the, the client and their CPA, to actually provide unique, proactive tax planning tools. So, That's great. And, and where are you headquartered? Yeah, we're located just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. You, I know that's where your offices are, mm -hmm. but you're not, you don't limit your practice to the North Carolina area. Oh. You are all over the United States, I've found out. Yeah, that's correct. Matter of fact, I was in Los Angeles last week, and so we're from coast to coast. Um, and we actually have some uh, business in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands as well. So yeah, we're, we're pretty global. So um, I'd like to drill into what you do a little more okay. uh, because uh, I was at a conference in Phoenix recently and uh, I met one of your uh, partners there, uh, one of your employees, and it was such an interesting presentation of what he does and how he helps people that I think this is something that people really wanna know about. Uh, you have a unique uh, niche of digging into the tax code, and it has to do with improving patient outcomes. Uh, there's a tax benefit for companies who are in the medical fields and improving patient outcomes. Would you like to explain that? Sure. And go so, into that for me? Absolutely. And so Section 41 of the IRS code is referring to the research and development tax credits. And so back in 1981, they were actually created, made permanent in 2015. And so the, the whole idea is uh, most um, professionals, most practitioners aren't, uh, did not realize they would qualify. Under the new guidance in 2015, they opened it up to the medical industry. 
uh, up to that point had been pretty much manufacturing and technology. So we realized that there was a great need and we discovered that there was a, a really a, a vacuum from that standpoint. And so we really decided to focus specifically on the medical industry. Not that we don't get referrals over to the technology and the manufacturing, but the reality is our emphasis and focus is towards the medical industry. That's, uh, that's very interesting. And just to prove to you that I was really interested in the presentation about your company that I saw mm -hmm. and, and that it impressed me that much is you have gotten tens of thousands of dollars in some cases, maybe even more mm -hmm. back for companies that they didn't realize was there for the taking. And this is all, I mean, it's completely legit. Right. You know, that's the first thing people ask. Yeah. It sounds too good to be true. But this is completely legit. You want to tell us a little bit about that and maybe a couple of examples? Absolutely. So um, we can go back three years. So the statute of limitations to go back and to amend tax returns is three years. So what we do is our, we take our uh, prospective clients through a process, and that is gathering up documentation and doing an interview with one of our tax attorneys. Our tax attorney is going to do a deep dive down into whatever they're doing, whether it's a, a chiropractic practice, a medical practice, whatever it may be, to determine if they're improving upon a patient outcome or a, improving upon a, um, a technology or a manufacturing situation. From there, we can determine what percentage of their time is utilized for qualified research activities. So I'll give an example of a chiropractor. So a chiropractor uh, may use different modalities such as decompression or electric stem or laser. So the combination of those modalities along with the adjustment and, and measuring improvement, um, that allows them to qualify. We just have to determine how much each week they spend doing that themselves and their staff. So then we determine what percentage of the time, and then we'll calculate that against the wages. So we go in there and determine, okay, your wages, your W-2, and the percentage of that comes back as a credit. Um, when I say a credit, a credit going forward, uh, we can go back and get a refund. Actually, a check from the IRS comes back to our clients. And just to give you a couple examples, I just I have a chiropractor in the, in the Bay Area out in California. Saw him this weekend here, and uh, he actually got back about $108,000 for the last three years. Now, there's some states, too, like California, they allow us to go back four years. And so, in his case here, our conversation became a six-figure opportunity for him that he didn't even realize, and his CPA didn't realize, because most CPAs uh, out there are not aware that it does apply to the medical industry. Um, part of the reason why is because historically up till 2015 had been limited, as I said, to manufacturing technology. Uh, we hired a company by the name of BDO, which is one of the largest firms in the world, uh, to do a due diligence study to make sure it did apply to our clientele, the chiropractors, the medical, the dental. And, and we come to, back, uh, come to find out that yes, they do qualify. I'm familiar with BDO and BDO, if you're watching, I'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and that's the interesting part that you said that I took away from this conference. This is not just for like the purchase of a medical device or you did the research on that. This is actually for the time your staff spent on it. And, and if I heard right at the conference, even if it was something you decided not to do and you didn't proceed with the, the purchase of the actual equipment or anything like that, just the fact that you did the research, that qualifies Certainly, well. yeah. So there's a four-part test uh, when it comes to the IRS. Number one has to be technological in nature. Number two, there's got to be a trial and error process. Uh, number three, the purpose is to uh, remove uncertainty and to increase the performance and functionality 
whether that's a patient or a process. So yes, that's correct. Even though you may not have actually implemented just doing the research to determine how that would be applicable and how it would be beneficial to your patients or to your clients. Okay, um, very interesting. And I know when I was at this presentation, the first question that popped into my mind, and you probably get this question <laughs> a lot and it probably pops into everybody else. Yeah. The first thing I thought was, how does this increase my risk of an audit? Yeah. And the answer and the process that you use was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I think you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. You, would you like to speak to that? Yeah, I would agree with you, Mike, that that question comes up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, does it put me on the radar with the IRS? Well, I can't say it would never, but the reality is it's changed here this year, January 10th of this year, the IRS put us into a position not of post-approval, but pre-approval. So when we go to a request for the research and development tax credits for historical in the last three years or four years, we have to provide all of our documentation at that time to the IRS and they're going to approve it. Um, and we've never had anyone denied, but they're going to approve it at that time. Now, not to say the IRS couldn't come back and second guess themselves, but highly unlikely. And even though it's a lot of work on our part, we are glad to have it just because it eliminates number one, um, the, possibility of them not understanding why we applied for the credit. So for the IRS perspective, they see that this is a chiropractor, this is a medical professional, a dental, and they see the, you know, the rationale behind it. And so when we get that approval right up front, our clients know that this has already been reviewed and they have peace of mind that everything's good to go from there. They're with you basically every step along the way. So it would almost be fair to say that uh, they're, they're in some ways a partner in the process with you as you go along. And, and I know the IRS gets much maligned uh -huh. and I'm not here to malign the IRS <laughs> and I'm not here as an advertisement for the IRS, yeah. but I am here to say that I have worked with government agencies for the FAA and the FDA. And it's been my experience that if you bring them in the process early and you work with them and you don't hide the cards from them and you, yeah. you tell them what you're doing and get it approved along the way, they're very happy to work with you and, and happy to help with you. Would, yeah. would you say the same? Uh, yeah. Absolutely, the IRS looks at intent. Yes. So our intent is to, again, bring them into a, a partnership of saying, Here, here's full disclosure of why this, this particular client of ours uh, qualifies for Section 41 credits. And so instead of you know trying to push things through, and that's actually what the reason why, what created this need of pre-approvals, because unfortunately, uh, there's been companies out there that have been you know we'll just throw it at the fan and see what sticks type of situation, and uh, unfortunately that's come back to bite some. But the good news is if you're getting everything pre-approved, all is good. Okay, and we're t we've talked primarily about medical mm -hmm. devices. Are there similar programs for other? Uh, industries that you work with or yeah. other businesses? Of course, we get a lot of referrals, Mike, from mm -hmm. a, a, a whole variety of different businesses. I'll just give you some examples. Uh, we just did a technology company here in the Dallas area, AI technology, remarkable information in the medical field. Um, we did a uh, ballistic glass company that uh, does, you know, for vehicles, for um, uh, airlines and different ones like that there. And then also we did a GPS for F-16s, a company that provides GPS. So very, very interesting um, parallels out there. But yeah, so it does apply for a lot of different industries, not just for the medical industry, of course. That's very interesting. I, one of the shows I did recently was about a, uh, a, a female entrepreneur who had started a virtual reality training company 
for airlines. It, uh, pilots, when they're trained, many times they put a piece of paper up on the wall that has all the switches and they have to sit and imagine, well, if I move this switch, that's what it would do. And if I move that switch, that's what it would do. Well, she had developed this virtual reality company where you can actually wear the visor. And we did a demo on the show. It was really funny oh, wow. to watch. But if you move the switch, the switch actually moves and the, the system actually comes into operation and it gets people ready to go into the simulator and saves money and, oh, wow. and things like that. So unique, yeah. something like this Absolutely. could be beneficial to a company Oh yes, very much like so. Ours. Yes, because she's improving upon a process, and so by you know bringing that that type of technology into play. Now, if she did the programming, even more so. So uh, again, that gets into a little bit different uh, vein of information, but ultimately she's improving upon a process where again she's saving dollars. Now the key here is that uh, from a U.S. base, so the wages have to be created here in the United States. The IRS and the government wants to. Uh, encourage mm -hmm. businesses to use U.S.-based employees. Now, another question comes up, particularly in, in our programming, in our, in our uh, technology area, how about if I use independent contractors? Well, the good news is, as long as they're U.S.-based, you still get a credit. It does reduce it down to about 65% of what you would normally gotten if they were a W-2 wage employee. So it doesn't you know, eliminate that. And I find that a lot of technology companies, of course, outsource some of their programming and things such as that. Fantastic. Uh, it, th this is really interesting to me, and I, you know, I'm the guy that chases squirrels because so many different <laughs> things interest me. But um, uh, that's this is fascinating, and it's mm. something I didn't know existed. And I'm sure that uh, my viewers will be highly interested in this. And I, I get a lot of emails about this. Um, let's switch gears a little bit, unless there's anything else you want to add no, about I that. Think we're pretty. Can I leave anything else? No, nope, we're good to go. Okay. Um, you're obviously a leader, a business leader, uh, an entrepreneur. Um, I'd like to find out what inspired you. Uh, one person, maybe two or three points about them, mm -hmm. who inspired you as a leader, who you look up to as a leader, mm -hmm. and who, um, you know, who really got you started and was a, was a good mentor. Yeah, great question. So a uh, unique situation, my grandparents uh, were raising me. My grandfather was a business owner. And uh, he is actually the one who encouraged me. It was a great example. And he actually encouraged me to pursue the accounting uh, field. He said, you have a great way with numbers and, and so on and so forth. But my grandfather was probably the most impactful for me from the beginning years of my career. And then of course, over the years, I've met some remarkable men and women, uh, both uh, that have impacted my life. I have some great friends here in the great state of Texas. Uh, one is by the name of Jerry Phelps, another one, Elwin Johnston, that have spoken into my life and um, give me some real clear uh, direction. And I've had CPAs uh, in my life have also had a big impact. My former partner who we, when I sold my practice five years ago, uh, is a great friend and I, matter of fact, probably the most brilliant CPAs that I've ever met uh, in my life. And uh, it's just those type of situations. And of course, most recently, a tremendous fan, a friend that we both uh, share and that's Fab Mancini. Uh, Fab, of course, uh, was the past uh, president of Parker University and truly, as we were discussing earlier, is one who wants to push people up and really has a positive impact upon folks. Uh, Fab uh, or Dr. Fabrizio yes. Mancini, is, uh, yes. as I call him, uh, he was on the show and uh, he's a person truly with a servant's heart. So oh, he uh, does. thank yes. you for mentioning that. Yes. I, I try to highlight him because he's been a big influence in my life also. Yeah. Um, so. It's, it's, I'm glad to hear you say it about your grandparents because when I work with clients, 
uh, and they and I talk to them about leaders and what inspired them. I try to find out, you know, how to reach them and how sure. to work with them. Uh, I've always had the simple belief that the foundations of leadership that I learned started bouncing on, I say bouncing on my dad's knee, in your case, bouncing on your grandparents' knee, or bouncing on someone's knee that was important to them in life. Mm -hmm. Of course, we build on that as we go along, but uh, I think you probably would agree with that after hearing your yeah, answer. Very much so. Yeah, it's the simple things that they tell you that yeah. you remember. Well, and the thing about it is it was a different generation too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my grandfather came from, you know, the Great Depression, and so a different philosophy on work ethic, uh, also about how you treat people, your word, and, and so on and so forth. And when I say word, that your word is your bond, you know? So just unfortunately in our society today, it's not as prevalent as I like to see, but the good news is that's something we adhere to in our firm, that if we say something, we're going to do it and we're going to follow through, even if it's painful for us, we're going to make sure that happens. Exactly. That's, that's fantastic. It's very powerful. Um, we said you're headquartered in Charlotte, your, your office is there. Uh, how many employees do you have? Sure. Uh, so in that location, we have 18. Um, and then, of course, we have our legal team that is, is scattered around. We actually have our head tax attorney is located in New York City. Uh, the rest of our team is in Texas, uh, of course, in the Houston area in Austin. And then, of course, we're actually opening up an office down in the Jacksonville, Florida area here in the next uh, couple weeks. So that's great. Uh, and, and any question to about how many employees I always follow that with, um, you, and you mentioned a few of them, but the different uh, types of employees, are they yeah. all CPs, CPAs, yeah. uh, attorneys, you know, what? what? Sure, so we, of course we have our tax, our legal team, our tax attorneys. We also have our uh, CPAs, we have enrolled agents and accountants. So that makes a, a large portion of what we do and then all of our support staff. Um, I have my um, director of operations uh, who, runs everything. Of course, you met Nick, who's our executive vice president over our R&D department. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have our tax planning department as well. So that's made up of a lot of support. Um, and of course, our accounting is our biggest uh, focus from that standpoint. Right. Since I work with people, I work with managers, I work with teams, building teams and things like that, I'm always interested in someone's philosophy mm -hmm. about hiring people, the type of thing you look for in an employee when you put a team together. Uh, you, would you like to speak a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, there's a lot of great people out there, Mike, as mm -hmm. you know. And uh, of course, resumes can look very, very um, uh, flowery, <laughs> I guess a good term. But what I'm looking for is passion. And, and like I, I said in our conversation earlier, they don't have to necessarily be passionate about saving people money or putting money in people's pockets from a tax savings, but passionate about something in their life. And so one of my interview questions I always ask is, you know, outside of, of business, you know, what makes you tick? What is it that, that you're passionate about that, you know, if money was not an object, you'd be plugged into? Because what I found that people who are passionate about something, it could be their faith, it could be, you know, a hobby or, or a, a cause, then I can see that that can be that energy we can pull and utilize it in what they do with us. And so that's always a factor is we want to make sure someone who is passionate about something in their life, uh, that they're not just kind of uh, sucking air, I guess you'd say, uh, just to take a paycheck because we, we believe they can get behind the vision of the firm if they have passion in other areas. We're a hundred percent in agreement or as a friend of mine used to say, I'm in violent agreement with you <laughs> about that. Uh, I, I hired a lot of people when I was at a, at a large corporation. And of course, H HR has a large role. 
in hiring at large corporations. And they can be kind of rigid sometimes, and I'm not criticizing them. Uh, and they ask, we had to ask each individual the same exact set of questions. They gave us questions to choose from. But if I ask you, you know, question 1A, 2B, 3C, I had to ask everyone that same question. But to me, the most beneficial question I got to ask was the warm-up question, and I got to pick, it was fielder's choice. And I would ask people, what is not on your resume? You have an impressive resume. But what is on your resume, not on your resume, that if I knew it, you would be really proud for me to know it? And sometimes people, you know, they maybe said one thing real quick and then they went right back to their resume. Uh And, but other people got really passionate about their answer, their face lit up, their face lit up, just like when you started telling me about your wonderful family. And um, I've had some really good hires made because of that answer. One of the HR partners told me once, she smiled and she said, I know what you're doing. <laughs> she said, you've still got to ask them the questions. I know what you're doing. But anyway, that's a, that's a great answer and a great philosophy for yeah. hiring. Yeah. It's, it's uh, done well over the last 35 years, for sure. Good. Um, so you're in headquarters. We talked about your team. We talked about your people. Um, marketing. Mm-hmm. How do you market? Do you Obviously, I saw Nick at a conference. Yes and was so impressed that I remembered actually enough about it to come up with some questions to ask you. So he was very, very excellent in his presentation. But, uh, you know, how do you market? Do you travel? Do you go to conventions? Do you have, you know, marketing campaigns? Yeah, great question, Mike. So we do, we travel around the country. We do about 78 events this year here. Uh, We've done uh, 21 this this uh, second quarter this year. So it is a lot of travel. Um, but what we have found that if we can have face-to-face connections with, whether that's a medical professional, the dentals, uh, whether that's, you know, other business owners that we can find, we can share our story about who we are and what we do. And so that's predominantly. And then of course we, I just had a phone call on the way up here is that uh, joint venture or affiliate relationships. We have a lot of business owners who serve the same clientele as that we do, who are interested in how can we work together to help our clients being the doctors or whoever it may be and so we find that that's a very strong and of course we get a lot of referrals referrals from cpas quite frankly uh, last week I, I received an email saying you also did such a good job with my client i'd like to refer over so and so over to you to have a conversation with them and i believe right now we have about a half a dozen cpas around the country who refer uh, some weekly and some you know once in a while so mm-hmm. so we t- we talked about your um office where you're headquartered, the employees and everything. Um, sometimes people don't like to uh, give away all their trade secrets, mm-hmm. but do you have any growth plans, expansion plans uh, that you'd like to share today? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, we are in the process of looking for a larger office space. We actually have an offer in on a space that'll pretty much double because um, our expectation is because we, in some areas, some parallel areas like anesthesiologists um, and some other audiologists and different ones that we have paralleled into that once we have this infrastructure that we can accelerate quite a bit. And so, but, but ultimately if we're going to be um, working in other professions that we need to make sure we have the support staff to be able to do so. So we've been doing some shifting around some new hiring, but also we have to, you know, accommodate from a space standpoint. And as I mentioned earlier, we have some remote 
staff members that we like to bring back in. Not necessarily they have to be there all week long, but that we have that synergy going on because you know uh, a lot of collaboration goes on inside the office versus you know through Zoom or Slack or whatever it may be. That's uh, that's incredible. So I like to talk about COVID mm. for a minute. COVID is uh, something that you know affected every business, everyone in a lot of different ways, and not just from you know actually contracting the disease, but just all the ancillary uh, things that happened during yeah. COVID. They had to stay home, they had to do this. And there's a lot of challenges post COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to address maybe if there were challenges that you faced you know, uh, as we exit COVID mm -hmm. or uh, have there been opportunities presented to you because of COVID? Yeah, that's a, a terrific question. So. You know, right when COVID happened, I set my staff down in March of 2020 and I said, listen, you know, the reality is uh, having a conversation with a doctor about research and development tax credits is not going to be on their horizon or on the radar right now because they're all about keeping their business operational. Mm -hmm. So we pivoted and went very strong into the PPP program and helped hundreds and hundreds of doctors and professionals around the country. Now, what that did, it first of all, helped a lot of business owners, which we were excited about doing that, but allowed us to have great credibility. I must have done probably 100 webinars in 2020 about PPP and EIDL and all ERTC and all the different you know, things that the government put out. But what that has done, uh, of course, all that has come to an end. Now we're facing um, opportunities to really drill down into those relationships and uh, other referrals out to other groups because they saw that we really were passionate about helping business owners and that that just conveys right over to the R&D department. So we're able to get, again, funds out there that they're entitled to that allow them to grow their businesses or expand you know, with new staffing or new opportunities. So that's where we see that the COVID situation, the post-COVID, has really allowed us to launch in a greater way. You, do, you just you keep saying things that uh, give me more ideas, and that's yeah. why this is just such a fascinating topic to me. You said a research and development department. So it's really an R&D department that's maybe just examining ways to improve processes and things like that. This would apply to them, even if they don't treat patients, as long as they're working on something that would improve a patient outcome. That seems to be yeah. the, the key thing we keep coming back to. It truly is. Now, and a lot of folks believe that it's got to be academic. Uh, and the reality is most of the research and development credits that come about are not necessarily academic. Now, if you're at a school or a hospital, that would be the exception to that rule. But those are in private practice around the country or, or have a business around the country, that R&D uh, comes into play. So we actually have a client that we just finished uh, their materials. Uh, it was a um, a dental lab up in the, the Northeast. And this dental lab actually, uh, because of the materials they were using, the, the gold, which is not a cheap venture, that helped him get a significant amount of credit for his company because they're utilizing materials above and beyond the wages. So because they're doing, you know, they're testing different things. Uh, dental labs come to mind because they, they, you do use quite a bit of materials. Um, and uh, of course there's opportunity, not just from the wages, but we can add on to the materials that they're using every year. So. Fantastic. Um, this has just been fascinating as we wind this down. This is the interview that I don't really want to end, <laughs> but we're about out of time. So one of the last things I like to do is give the guest an opportunity to look into that camera right there. That's your camera. Tell us what you would want the customer to know 
So first of all, um, one of the, the requirements that we have is, first of all, that there be at least, at least $250,000 in payroll uh, between the owner and their staffing. So that is what I call a minimum. Uh, the second thing is that, you know, again, they are improving upon protocols, upon increasing the, uh, the performance of the patient. And so those are things we look at. And, and again, when I'm talking about the medical industry, uh, and of course, and if you're in manufacturing technology, that's going to be a very unique situation for us to have a conversation. The, the first step you need to do is do one of two things. Go to loveamericahatetaxes.com uh, or to go to quartermastertax.com and schedule a complimentary review or discovery call uh, feasibility study of your particular situation. We have a great team, very well educated in the research and development area that would be more than happy to gather up the information and determine whether or not you are a candidate for research and development tax credits. Again, we do not charge to do the feasibility study. If necessary, we'll even bring one of our tax attorneys onto the call to make sure if you're in a unique situation, a unique type of business, on whether or not you qualify or not. So that would, that would be the, the, the first thing is to go to our website um, and make sure you go ahead and schedule your complimentary uh, visit with our team. And then from there, uh, I would say that if you want to call our office, it's 704 4904111 and you're welcome to talk to any of our team and ask for our research and development department. That's fantastic and I, I can't thank you enough for coming on thank today. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I thank you. And uh, like I said, we'll put all of the, the information that Don just gave you up on the website. My website, if you think that uh, there's something you'd like to talk to me about, you can also book a free call at Mike at thegrowthfacilitator.com. That's my email, or you can go to thegrowthfacilitator.com or simply my name, MikeHatton.com. And I do have some limited sponsorship uh, slots still available if you're interested in that, or if you know someone that might be interested uh, in being on the show that has a unique and interesting story such as Don had today, uh, please uh, contact me and book the call and we'll talk about your uh, situation. Thank you so much for watching. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something of value to help with the challenges you face as a leader. Please feel free to share this show with your friends on social media. And don't forget to visit my website, thegrowthfacilitator.com. And while you're there, book a free call with me. We'll see you next time on Cornerstone.